Welcome to Why the Long Face. Two old friends lifting the lid on mental health over a beer with author and psychiatrist Paul Keedwell and business consultant and so-called comedian Ollie Turnbull. Well, hello and welcome to Why the Long Face, episode five, season three, the COVID years. Uh, I'm Oliver Turnbull and uh, my co-host and partner and friend of 35 years is... Dr. Paul Keedwell, hello. How are you doing, Doctor? I'm missing you so badly. Oh, you're so far away down in the darkest Kent. Yeah, and uh, we're about to start week eight of lockdown. Um, we, we like to have a bit of a chat about where we are in the uh, COVID crisis for when we come back to listen to these. And a lot of your predictions are coming true, just for the record. We're about to start week eight. It's the 10th of May. And we're well past 30,000 deaths. So it's been, yeah, yeah. pretty harrowing. Yeah, because we've added on, of course, the deaths from the residential care homes, and that has brought us right up. But then again, so does so has France added those deaths on. When 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 everything comes out, I think we'll probably find that we're not separating much from France and Italy and Spain, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, we've got more deaths than all of those. And from my graphs that I obsess over, as you know, mm. uh, well, the, the, you have had some fancy ones lately. Uh, yeah, we're still mm. climbing more steeply. So it's it looks like we are over the worst, but it's it's grim, grim numbers that would have thought been been, been unthinkable just a few weeks ago. But um, I think it's leading to a lot of frustration and anger. I feel that that's building because we know that we had a two week. Uh, lead on Italy actually really didn't we we had time to perhaps do Correct. more to suppress the, the the virus Correct. I mean I think we've got to remember how unthinkable things felt back then. That's true I, I guess if we'd had a severe lockdown really early on there's a risk it would have led to some rebellion. It's just a horrible horrible balance of civil liberties public health and the economy mm. I just uh, anyway yeah. let's be a bit because for the first time ever uh, on our little humble little podcast and we have two doctors. And just to give you a clue, I'm not one of them. So um, we've, uh, <laughs> we've we found one. Found another doctor. She has uh, many interests, most of which are very pertinent to what we want to talk about. So um, we're extremely, extremely pleased to welcome uh, uh, Dr. Lee David to Why the Long Face. Welcome, Dr. Lee. Hi there. Thank you very much. My name is Lee David. I'm, I'm a GP um, and I have a particular interest in mental health and in cognitive behavioural therapy. And I'm director of an organisation called 10 Minute CBT. We try and teach little bite-sized pieces so that other GPs can use it in their consultations, their, their 10 minute consultations. That's great. And I think what caught my eye was that you had prepared a package specifically, I think, for adolescents. I have a real interest in working with adolescents, mostly as a GP and as a CBT therapist. And with a colleague, we felt we just wanted to develop something to support young people who are being so affected by lockdown, their worlds being turned upside down. Um, so we created um, a brief 10-minute CBT uh, video package um, that covers some of the brief skills in understanding different emotional reactions and some strategies known as face COVID about how uh, young people might cope with some of the things that they're facing. So FACE COVID is a, an acronym. It was developed um, originally by Russ Harris, who's a, an Australian psychologist, um, and he developed a model called FACE COVID. And we just simplified it a little bit um, with his permission and just brought it down to, to four different steps. And it's just four basic sort of um, processes that you can go through to help you cope under 
this kind of extreme conditions. Which spell out the name face, I'm guessing. <laughs> yes. Shall I talk, shall I quickly run through the four steps? Definitely. I'm not the quickest, but I got that. <laughs> I was wondering what on earth you're talking about. Face. Oh, I get it. So the, so the four steps are face, F-A-C-E. So um, F is focus on what you can control um, rather than what you, what's outside your control. Then A is acknowledge what's happening inside. So it's just recognizing and maybe giving a name to the thoughts and feelings and body reactions that, that we're having. And then C is commit to a plan. So it means taking action and making decisions, choosing what behaviors we want to do and are likely to help us. And then E is engage with your values. And values is about what do I care about as a person? And for young people, that's really important and um, finding what they're interested in, what motivates them, and then choosing some actions that are in line with that. And that can be a really powerful way of kind of coping with some of the emotional reactions such as boredom. It's probably a good lesson for adults too, because a lot of us have probably, you know, with busy jobs and things like that, forgotten what to engage with uh, when we've got extra free time. But um, it's great because we, we sort of touched on focus on what you can control we've talked a lot about control and how covid makes you feel out of control so that's that's actually quite profound i think the first one acceptance is a sort of mindfulness thing isn't it all yeah being aware of all the things that's going around in our sensorium but also internally how we're feeling inside and how it's normal yeah absolutely right remember when we talked to imogen as well who has a uh it was on um the uh our last podcast about extreme reactions to stress and i think this acknowledgement thing is very important because not only you can say yes this is happening and this is horrible but also um it's in a sense a normal reaction to stress and other people are, are, are having it too yeah yeah and but what's really new i love i love this um commit because actually you know uh, it's all very well to understand the theory but then you've actually got to put it into practice and it's great you kept it nice and a nice and nice and simple four steps um, for, I can imagine adolescents um, engaging with that. Definitely, and I mean, when I, I ran a quick poll to see, you know, what are the issues that um, that adolescents are, are facing at the moment, and and I should add that I'm a parent as well. Um, so I have two sort of younger children. My children are eleven and um, and eight, and so I'm also coping both as a parent, as a homeschooler, um, and then trying to manage the emotional reactions of, of some slightly younger children. So really covering the whole spectrum of different age children. Um, now, what came, what was coming back is that the, the three big emotional reactions um, that parents are reporting are there's boredom was number one, um, which in a way could, could be allied with kind of low mood if you get bored long enough. A bit of boredom people are very positive about, aren't they? There's always like, oh, yes, let them be bored. But I think if it carries on and on and on, there's a, there's a risk that it kind of drips down into lethargy and kind of inactivity and then possibly even depression. Mm. Um, and then there's mm. loneliness um, and that kind of disconnect mm. from, you know, the social and the, the world, um, which is a huge impact um, and so those those were the biggest two that came through. And then the anxiety was the third one. There's a lot of anxiety, I think. And that's, I think, in adults and young people. There's a sort of assumption that young people are perfectly fine to be having social engagements on over the Internet um, through various social media. But actually, they are really missing face to face contact, it seems. 
I think it's fascinating and it really confirms for me the fact that as humans we still have this social need for human connection and how that is absolutely essential part of well-being is you know eye contact and it might just be as you pop to the shop and making eye contact and smiling and actually that's incredibly powerful in terms of um, feeling connected to the world. It's a really odd thing. I went out to B&Q, perfectly legitimate, just in case we have government officials listening, watching. Uh, and uh, the, do you know what the thing I missed, or I, I didn't realise I missed, was just looking at people's faces. It was just me connecting with other human beings. And it was, I was, oh yeah, there are loads of different other types of humans. How, how did everybody else react to you staring at them though? I have to say badly, and in some cases violently. <laughs> and it was the fact that the, the two metre rule existed that stopped me getting quite a nasty beating, I reckon. That was tricky when you were queuing to pay for your uh, essential pot plant. Why, why are you looking at me like that? I'm just enjoying your face. <laughs> Wait till the lockdown is over, he said. Um, so, uh, Lee, what I know about CBT is that it's very good um, at getting people to look at their thought processes the negative ones particularly, and how it affects their emotional and therefore psychological well-being. Um, a, have I, have I got that roughly right? And B, uh, where's, the, where's the use of that in, in this particular um, COVID context uh, for you? Face COVID context. Well, yes, you have. Yes, yes, you have got that right. However, um, the interesting thing is a lot of people, when they think about CBT, they think about thoughts and, you know, changing thoughts and maybe looking for negative thought patterns. And actually what I found with my kind of brief approach to CBT is that changing thoughts is really hard. Um, and so I would look at a kind of a model of breaking things down into thinking. So, you know, what thoughts I have, what emotions I have. Um, what, so what's the emotional um, experience, what's happening in the body, so the physical symptoms that might be happening, and then my behaviour, what I, what I do. So we have these kind of four areas, um, which are sometimes called a kind of hot cross bun, and then what's going on in the environment around. And actually, of those five areas, it's really only the behaviour that we've got easy control over. It's really hard to control whether we have a negative thought or not, or whether we, whether we have a difficult feeling, whether we feel low or anxious. Um, and some of the things we do to try not to feel anxious, such as, I don't know, seeking lots of reassurance, constantly looking stuff up on the internet, it makes you feel worse. And so actually, it's for me, a lot of it's about choosing the behaviour, which comes back to that kind of face model, the committing to action and then engaging with your values and just doing stuff that's helpful and that makes you feel like your life's got some meaning and for me that's actually much more important than whether you've got a negative thought or not so it's focusing on the downstream uh, effects of your thoughts the the, the behavior because there's the intermediary step of the emotion and then there's the behavior exactly and i feel you know we can recognize we need to acknowledge how we're feeling i mean for example some people are feeling this great sense of loss you know a, a grief reaction at not being able to go out in the world and we need to acknowledge that that's there it's not about not recognizing it um but actually how we then respond to it comes back to our behavior and those that's the bit that we have got more control over that's back to the f for the focus on what you can control which is our behavior and what are the negative behaviours you see a lot in adolescence during lockdown, do you think? Well, I think there's a mixture of things. So, um, and it will depend on on our, you know, the individual. But some things are, there may be a tendency to retreat. 
um, into too much. So it's all life's about balance. And, you know, for example, um, technology is amazing and the computer games and all of those things are fantastic ways to pass the time. And it's much better than just having nothing to do. But if you get so pulled in that it's almost taking you out of, of the real world or you're not connecting with your family, um, then it's becoming problematic. So certainly for some people, overuse of, of computers, um, of gaming, and getting out of a routine can be a problem. And for others, it might be too much checking. So there's too much kind of worrying about perhaps the virus or other things. And so there's a constant kind of reassurance seeking or looking up information on the internet. And that's, or, you know, watching the news and getting too caught up in that. And again, that's just a really unhelpful kind of pattern because it makes you feel more anxious. So what do you tell your um, patients, um, Lee? Is it is it a case of um, getting them to stop doing some actions and start doing others as part of the commit definitely and it's about and the great thing is and if you come to the e of the values i don't choose especially with young people because they have far better idea what they should be doing than me i you know i'm an old fogey compared to them i've got no idea what they should be spending their time doing and that isn't my role to tell people how to spend their time but equally to say what do you care about and actually that's the um the thing that doesn't always happen with young people they're not stopping and thinking you know who do i want to be what do I want to stand for? What, do I, what actually matters to me as a human being on the face of this earth? And then setting some really tiny, I call them micro goals or micro steps um, so that they're not overwhelming. Because again, you can think, oh, I should do this, but it's too hard or, oh, yeah. I'd love to get around to that. Um, but it's just too difficult. And so you have to set steps that are absolutely tiny, so small, in fact, that you feel like they're not going to make any difference. Because, um, but the aim is not to fix a problem with changing the behaviour. It's to start to recognise that we've got choice. So it doesn't actually matter what happens, and it doesn't matter if it if it's a good change or a bad one. It's actually learning to try new stuff and being a bit more willing to kind of experiment with with how we react in the world. So yeah, if you want to be a rock star, you might just download an app on uh, how to learn how to play the guitar, or something like that. It'll be a, a that'll be a, a starting point. Exactly. If if you're someone, I mean, you know, it's it's fascinating. Some people, their value is they'd love they've always wanted to play the guitar, and so actually this lockdown is a fantastic opportunity. Think, you know what? Um, and one of my nephews is doing that, and he's loving it. You know, he's been really enjoying practicing. And for other people they would look at that and think, oh, I can't do that. You know, this is just too stressful. Why, why do I want to do that? And so it becomes a negative. And so what's really important is to say, what is it for you? Is, um, you know, as a parent, for example, if I pull myself in, um, there are, you have to choose what you want to stand for. So something that I'm not capable of, of, of doing, unfortunately, I wish I was, is doing loads of amazing baking. You know, I'd love to be someone who could make sourdough loaves and bake these fantastic cakes and creations and put the photos on Facebook and everyone would be like saying, oh, what a great baker. I just can't do that. That's just outside my stress levels. Um, and I've just had to accept that. And, and same goes for creative kind of artistic stuff. I'd love to be able to do it, but it's just, I have to pick the f a few small things that we can do as a family. So with my younger kids, 
exercise is something that really matters to me. So we try and get a bit of exercise in, bite size, but I try and get it in most days. Um, and they like music, so we do a bit of music practice and I try and get them to do maybe 10 minutes of their schoolwork, maybe a bit of maths. And that's kind of it. And so those are the things that I felt I can handle, that I feel like I can look back and think, yeah, I, I care about those. Um, and the stuff like the baking or the, you know, for other people, that will be their big thing and they'll come out with these creative masterpieces. That's not engaging with your particular uh, skill set, is that what you're saying? Exactly. <laughs> so build on your strengths. With what energy I've got oh, in this limited time, you've got to choose what you can manage. Um, and, you know, I was talking to some other parents quite recently and there's a huge thing for parent guilt, you know, and you're looking on Facebook and these kids are doing how much schoolwork are they getting done and how much this and how much that. And there's this terrible sense of, you know, and that's the issue with um, social media is there's a huge judgment. I think people have a tendency to to judge themselves. And it's so easy on social media to, to see what other people are doing and feel like you're not you're not meeting the standard. Uh, we have friends who are having pizza masterclasses, which I don't get involved in. <laughs> oh, uh, well, funny enough, we had one on pasta, uh, Paul, and uh, it was actually mm. really good. And my and they had a lovely byproduct, but my son learned how to uh, make delicious fresh pasta. So I, I, not only uh, did I not have to get involved, I now get fresh pasta cooked for me. So uh, pluses and minuses, pluses and minuses. But I think this is right, fascinating stuff. I like I like the way that you, 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 it seemed to me when I first heard about 10 minute CBT, I thought, well, that's, that's almost impossible. But I see now I started to understand how you've boiled down, if you like, the essence um, to something that can help maybe people who don't have a, a long time to uh, uh, go through a, lo a large scale piece of therapy. And I was wondering, could you give us some examples, maybe some uh, bite sized pieces of advice, if you like, of these kind of, what did you call them? Micro micro steps or yes. micro things that, that that have been successful even if they even if they sound quite simple and trite that that things have, have got people back on the right right track definitely so if we think about boredom and the spectrum of boredom which if it if it leads to kind of lethargy and giving up can get you quite low and might even lead to people getting depressed um, and I think that is on that kind of spectrum of kind of uh, you know, being a bit sort of stuck. Retreating to their rooms and just on the laptop the whole time or on their games console the whole so time. Retreating, reducing social interaction even further, perhaps within their families, reducing the eye contact that we were talking about earlier um, and just kind of sinking into a kind of a bubble of just, you know, computer, but not all the rest of it. Um, and so for that, there's a kind of vicious cycle where you kind of start thinking negatively, you feel more fatigued, and then your behaviour is to do less um, and you kind of your thinking is quite demoralised and what's the point? And it kind of becomes this very negative, what, you know, I can't do anything. And people have those negative thoughts and they and that's the cycle where so think negatively and, and kind of doing less. And and so for them, I, I, um, I would encourage these bite sized behaviour. So behavioural activation is, is a form of. Um, CBT which has got evidence for depression that's that's you don't yeah. even have to worry about the thoughts you don't have to even you just do more stuff it's really easy do more you stuff know. you do <laughs> <Yeah>. more stuff <laughs> and, and, and 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 just make make sure it's stuff that you uh have a little bit of an aptitude for already maybe or or stuff you just know that you're you're going to enjoy and that that but that, but that is constructive yeah is not passive because that's the values bit isn't yeah. it yeah 
the it is. bit. Because uh, I guess you, they would just say, well, playing my computer games uh, and having a goal to beat uh, Freddy, who lives uh, down the road, is is active. But you would uh, counter that actually that's not going to... Uh, you're doing that because of the negative emotions. You're feeling the anxiety. You're using it as a distraction. It's not actually, in the long run, going to make you uh, feel happy. In fact, quite the opposite. So do do some stuff that's going to mean that you have to create something or interact with someone. Is that right? So you start, I can I can sort of see how 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 that works. I think there's a balance as well, and I and it's not to say don't do in you know ditch the computer because if that's mm. what they care about and actually that is their value, then then that's a great thing to to encourage. But it's all about the context for me. So for example, watching TV. If you come, if if you know if a parent has a stressful day at work and they come home and they want to wind down and watch watching TV as a relaxation. Amazing. I mean, one of the things as, as lockdown that I advise is, is to kind of get some kind of family ritual or routine um, that bonds you. So with our family, with my two young kids and my husband, we, we, we take it in turns. We never did this. We were way too busy doing all these clubs, which I'm actually really grateful that we're not doing at the moment. <laughs> um, but we, took, we take it in turns to choose a, a TV program that we watch every evening. So we have this family, we have dinner together and then we go and sit and everyone has a turn. So somebody watch, chooses the program and we're kind of cycling through different programs like um, from uh, Doctor Who to, to Merlin and all sorts of stuff and the kids are picking. And it's a really wonderful time that we actually, that we're bonding, the kids really enjoy it, we're spending it as a family. So that for me, although it's TV, has a lot of um, positives that's creating a connection as a family. Because you're watching it together, you're co-viewing. And it's a sort of limited amount of time. It's one episode. It doesn't. If but if we spent all day doing nothing but TV, then it you know then that's when the balance comes out. So it's not to say any activity is bad, but it's how is it functioning in the context of all your life in general. It, it's really strange. We I've got a similar situation, Lee, as you. I've got two kids and and my wife and uh, in in the house, and we are doing the same as you. We're constructing these rituals within our little society of four people which are actually quite positive and quite nice it's quite democratic uh everybody's cooking everybody's clearing up we have a different thing we're far too different my son studies film and my daughter's only 15 so our tastes in tv are too broad to ever bring together really but we we arrange where someone's watching the tv and someone isn't and when charlie's with his girlfriend and stuff and we we're actually we've created our own little society which i think and i'd love your views i think i'm going to sort of miss um the the togetherness and, and the uh um uh, the, the the little the little group that we've created i think we're going to miss it post covid and look back on it uh, quite positively actually maybe this is uh, a lesson in in living going forward that we put more time aside for that sort of thing for coming together as a family because we have an, an obsession with achieving stuff and that gets in the way of this important family time uh, during normal times yeah I think you're onto something. I think that's so true. I think I honestly think that's true for our family. And we spend so much time driving the kids to their activities hmm. um, and being taxi services and actually not spending time together, all of us just connecting. And I would definitely say 
that I will miss that when that, uh, you know, and that, that for us as a family has been a, quite a positive that, that we have con we have connected. I mean, one of the things I'm really fascinated about is this kind of thing of peer orientation in adolescence, um, where adolescents become more orientated to towards their peer group than towards their family um, and that can be problematic because your peer group are never are often not as supportive as your family environment. Um, and it can lead to this disconnect between parents and their and their and their children. And actually, this is an opportunity. Um, so a, a way of coping with the loneliness that that young people are facing is actually to really strengthen the relationships within the family and use it as an opportunity to say, OK, there is a loss you know it's genuine we need to mourn that and and recognize it but actually there's a gain too because the relationship with a within the family possibly could be more important in some ways or certainly you know you don't want it to be less important than the peer relationships because that's when peer groups can start to have a, an undue influence over young people which is perhaps unhelpful so really we could yeah. use this as an opportunity to, to kind of grow our bonding within the family environment I think what really resonated with me was when you said uh, it's about doing activities together. And I was thinking back to when I was uh, being ferried to judo and back and things when I was young. I remember that they're far less salient to me than the times I spent with my father and then the other members of the family uh, making pottery in the home. So actually these times when, you know, I slightly glib about the uh, pizza masterclass, but... Ollie's pasta making is actually probably going to be very salient for your son as he grows up. So actually, that's a really important part of your face COVID, doing more stuff with your family. It's not about solving the problem. And we've talked about this before. Um, one can be tempted when someone comes to you with a crisis to, to try to solve the problem. And this is one of those things that you can't really solve the problem because you can't cure covid or, or ease the lockdown but what you can do is take control i think you're saying particularly of your behaviors because they think that you are control within your value system i.e., what's important to you i think the simplicity of that and the pragmatism of that is um it it, it resonates with me and, I, and from what you're saying it sounds like it's it, it it works really well particularly with the young people i was wondering um in terms of parents we've touched upon the uh, competitive parenting which is such a tedious part of the whole social media world oh, i hate that <laughs> yeah it's just dreadful but i was wondering in terms of the uh, covid lockdown and and uh and the the, the stresses and the strains that some of the your, your patients the 12 to 19 age are going through what about the parents how are they how are they doing how's it affecting them um how are you treating them well, I think it's, you know, it's tough, isn't it? Because they're having to juggle and it varies very much from different families about how work is, whether there's financial issues, whether they're having to try and homeschool, how, what the demands are from the school, whether they're reasonable or not. And you get some, there's such diversity. Some schools are setting ridiculous amounts of work, others just not doing anything at all. It seems so sort of variable and, and parents are just there left trying to, juggle everything and trying to um, have all these balls up in the air and I, I think it's it, it can be exhausting I'm hearing people saying I'm having to get up at six to get my work done for two hours before the kids so that I can actually then do some homeschooling with them as well um, so it's it's really can be very challenging yeah do you think um, parents are putting too much pressure on themselves though to do uh, because of this com competitive parenting environment that's often there on social media to actually do the perfect homeschooling when in fact probably uh, it's 
it's it's, it's okay to be, to be good enough, not not be perfect. I totally agree. I, my my um, eight-year-old son, his concentration's not great and he's got 38 children in his class at school. And when I went to parents' evening um, a, f- a few weeks before lockdown, I opened up his books. There was nothing in them. There. <laughs> so, is he actually doing any work at all? I don't think he is. Um, and so actually, when we're at home, if I can just sit with him and do 10 or 15 minutes worth of concentrated stuff, that's probably more than he was doing in the classroom in an entire day in Mm. in the school environment so in some ways you you don't need to try and replicate how much they were doing at school because this is this is not school we're not teachers we're not supposed to be teachers we're just doing our best yeah that's all you can do you can't replicate the school environment in the home and why we don't even need to actually as you say 30 minutes of concentrated time with, with you might be uh, worth uh, five times that in in a busy classroom and not only not only from the position of um, education and getting getting uh, facts uh, into the little chap's head in a nice way spending time with mum uh, it, it's a wonderful yeah. thing i'm doing i um We've got a very similar thing in that uh, my daughter is uh, quite a slow learner. She's pretty bright, but she's a slow learner. And similar thing, Lee, uh, we're not getting much from the school. But when she's home, she's being tutored by um, the, the, the student who lives with us. And I did some tutoring with her in maths, which used to be the most terribly frustrating thing because I love maths and she just doesn't get it. And suddenly the scales are falling from her eyes. Someone's someone's spending quality time with her i'm bonding with my lovely daughter and she's actually learning maths and i think we have this thing in our game called vanity metrics and what it is is things that sound like they're good but actually aren't really measuring the right things so just because uh maybe your boy is very well behaved and his attendance is great and um he never gets into trouble and he hands his homework in on time uh, then that's a really good measure of how he's doing when actually the real measure of it is is how happy he is or and, and how much he's going in uh and it sounds like you've got the real metrics right when you're educating him at home how much is sinking in yeah how much you're yeah, engaging with the subject uh, rather than just turning no, up i can really relate to that yeah i can imagine some pitfalls sometimes though where i remember my mum did some home tutoring for me uh, in preparation for A-level maths, and I remember us crossing swords a few times. But I, I suppose that's natural, and I can see that happening quite a lot. Well, with you, certainly. Um, yeah, it was a cocky young thing. Yeah, that's true. I know better, Mum. <laughs> yeah. No, I just don't get it, Mum. Why are you doing it this way? Oh, yeah. God. Oh, I can just imagine. Yeah, what a pain in the ass. And some children won't want to, you know. I mean, I've got um, a friend and, and their son refuses point blank to do any kind of schoolwork at home at all. He just doesn't want to. He's been building a shed with his dad. Um, and actually, there's a big value in that too. So, you oh, know, yeah. it's not to say, um, oh, well, if you give them the time, they're all going to, it's all going to be easy because it, it definitely isn't. Um, so it's again, well, it's about thinking yeah. what you can do and what, what where you're at as a family and just trying to, work on something that gives you some sense of well this is actually moving us in a positive direction it's just a pragmatic solution i can't get him to engage with maths so i'll get him to build a shed with me instead and the maths will come later and trying to relax about the whole thing and so i'm writing a book on anxiety disorders and then another book coming up later this year on young people um, which will include many of the skills we've been talking about these kind of bite-sized steps about kind of coping with feelings and how to move life forwards that kind of pragmatic, quite behavioural approach to that. And if they want to, after this, uh, listening to this podcast, 
they want to find out more, they can go to 10minutescbt.co.uk and I think there's some free content there, isn't there? And video and there's some practice sessions and things like that. And obviously it doesn't, it takes longer than 10 minutes to, to go through the programme, but it, it looks very um, comprehensive. I got my first certificate, Doctor. Uh, I, I haven't told Paul this yet, but I was very pleased. So I went through the first course, um, and I was <laughs> I was telling Lee that she she's reminds me of my for first GP when I was a kid, in that she sort of has the authority but the warmth as well, which is sometimes you get one with the GP and not the other. But I think with uh, <laughs> with uh, Doctor David, you get both. And so I went through my course and I got a certificate coming through an email. Well, you do love a certificate. I love a certificate, and my first one since my degree, which was <laughs> probably more valuable. <laughs> Which is a less impressive certificate. <laughs> we probably don't need to go into that, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, for people who like certificates, you get a certificate. <laughs> yeah, so there's two courses. There's, there's two free courses. Um, there's a there's one which is aimed at health professionals, um, which is a brief kind of overview, supporting health professionals through their own stresses. Um, you know, as you know, it's a challenging time at the moment to be a health professional. Um, so I wanted yes. to just develop some free um, sort of well-being, mental health resources to just support um, NHS and other key workers through this difficult time. And then we've got another free course that's aimed, that's called 10 Minute Steps to Surviving Lockdown, and that's aimed at young people and their families. Um, And, you you know, I wouldn't necessarily say stick the young person in front of the video and get them to watch it on their own. I think in many ways, if you can watch it with them and talk about it, that's going to be far more powerful and far more useful than it's another video thing where they just sit on their own and, and kind of absorb it. I think it's discussing mm. how does it relate to them, how what might they take away from it, and maybe trying to pick mm. some tiny micro kind of things out of, you know, what what makes sense? Which one do you want to work on? Yeah, yeah, and you can answer their questions as you go as well. Yeah, nice. Um, I was going to say I should probably do the first one because doctors are the worst patients, aren't they? And uh... oh, he's terrible. He's terrible, Lee. He's awful. He ne- never looks after himself. <laughs> he wants. Do you remember once you came around and you what were you? You were catastrophizing without even knowing it. The psychiatrist catastrophizing. I remember saying, uh, Doctor Kido, what are you doing? And you said, What? I'm not doing anything. The guy didn't ring me back. He obviously thinks I'm an idiot. <laughs> catastrophizing. I was catastrophizing. <laughs> I've got a. Um, is there anything in what you do? Uh, I wonder if CBT and maybe ten minutes CBT has an application in people who are not ill. They're not depressed. They're not anxious. But there's something missing in their lives. As in, I'm going to put. I'm, I'm doing quotes. Uh, finger quotes. Normal psychologically, but um, it works brilliantly on uh, radio and podcasting. That. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I would say I don't know anyone who's got perfect mental health. I know I haven't, and certainly not during lockdown. That Paul's mentioned about Paul Gilbert before, and 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 the kind of compassion-focused approach. And I think just being a bit kinder to ourselves, and just being a bit more accepting. Hallelujah. But, do you know what? I am not perfect, and I'm okay. And do you know what? I can live with it. I I, I messed up, so you know maybe I got frustrated maybe I may have struggled a bit we did a bike ride today and I may have got a bit frustrated because nobody was coming on time and I knew I had to get back so time frame I was a bit sort of stressy about what time (laughs) we were going to go and I may have got a bit irritable about the fact that everyone was dragging their heels going for the toilet not getting their bikes couldn't find the you know helmets and I was just you know so I I may have got a bit grumpy um as we were leaving uh and (laughs) But I think the key is 
that we have to forgive ourselves for that um, because that's the message is, yeah, I did and I'll apologise for it later. And, you know, um, if I'm, I may have snapped at one or two people in the family. So I'll have to go back and say, you know, I'm sorry about that. And But equally, I, I need to forgive myself and be kind to myself and accept I'm doing the best that I can, I, you know. Yes. And, don't don't uh, be wrapped up in guilt about it. Yeah, you're going exactly. through stress just like everybody else. And when other people are irritable and snap at you, you cut them some slack because you understand. Exactly. It's just harder to cut. It's just harder to cut yourself some slack sometimes. Mm. Uh, I think it, that's it absolutely um, the crux of a lot of mental health problems. Is we are too hard on ourselves. We are, and I much prefer self compassion to self esteem which is about you know how great how good am i at this and can i rate myself highly but actually the time you need compassion is the times that you you're not achieving what you want where you haven't yeah. really done where things haven't gone to plan where things have gone wrong but we still need to be kind to ourselves and kind of accept that that's still being human that we mess up and that that's okay i would also add that one of the most important causes of depression is um, setting yourself up to fail so okay things have not gone to plan but that's because I had completely unrealistic expectations of where I should be right now you know on the on the route towards my goal whatever that goal may be to be professor college professor or to 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 learn to play um, stairway to heaven doesn't matter you need to be realistic and cut yourself some slack and give yourself a bit more time to achieve these things or abandon them altogether as uh, so we had a previous guest who was saying, oh, God, she said, why do people obsess about having to be able to achieve some amazing goal during the lockdown? Actually, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should spend that time to be kind to yourself, do things that you enjoy. I think it was, you said engage with your values, but engage with what you, you are on the, on the planet to do. Yeah. But very often it, we, it's just, our time is filled with noise. Uh, it's yep. filled with stuff that we feel we should do because of what we read or hear or what our peer group says. No, to spend the time to engage with what makes your heart sing. Wow. Yeah. And that that's valuable time. I think that's completely true. And I had a really interesting conversation with a neighbour on, on Friday, which was VE Day. Um, and we did some socially distanced kind of, um, you know, activities where we could still talk to people um, at a distance. And, you know, I was talking to another parent who was talking about the, the issue of guilt and saying that what she noticed was that the more guilty she felt about things, the worse she was behaving and the, and the more she'd actually do things that she felt bad about. And it's almost like that vicious cycle where you feel bad and so then you do something else to just kind of cover up the bad feeling. And it would lead to this vicious cycle where she would end up saying things. And she said she described this observing herself saying stuff. And she's like, why are you saying that to your, you know, What's, why are you, <laughs> the things that come out of your mouth are, 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 are and I said oh I, you know I have the same experience you, you just watch yourself saying stuff you know that you don't want to be doing but you and the worse you feel the more likely you are to do it so that's when right. cutting yourself some slack really matters because actually if you can kind of forgive yourself but that's when you can then break the cycle and stop kind of hooking into doing the negative stuff that's you know you can have a breather otherwise i'm going to get angry and i'm going to lash out is that um is that what they call a metacognition paul that you were talking about before where you sort of catch yourself thinking and you go i think that's I'm right, acting yeah. in a weird way and i'm watching myself acting in a weird way kind of thing yeah i think that i mean i think the core of cbt has always been about that having more awareness of your thoughts and being able to put put those thoughts uh -huh. in, in a certain bracket but I think metacognition is the is the latest sort of 
revolution in CBT where and it's connected to mindfulness it's where you're saying okay I'm having that those thoughts but I'm not going to beat myself up for having those thoughts my new thought is I'm not going to have beat myself up about having that thought (laughs) (laughs) I like it I mean I I think you should beat yourself up slightly more of course but Uh, uh, absolutely fair comment yeah yeah I'm an insufferable (laughs) human being sometimes absolutely (laughs) to which he says sometimes um (laughs) I'm going to just get to edit that little bit out and just have it playing over and over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have uh, uh, Lee and, and, and Paul, actually, but uh, I um, my job is uh, a lot more tedious than both of your jobs, but I quite like it. Well, that's what matters. You're engaging with your values. Well, exactly. And so you've taught me. I mean, so there we are. I don't feel bad about not really helping society like you guys. No, do. why are you apologising for your job being dull? Because it's got the reputation of being dull, whereas you don't find it dull. I think we've had a great session. Today. We've made real progress today. Just the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, lo- we're looking at the moment. So we look at technology, basically, digital technology and how it can help in business. And we are on the cusp of a revolution, a revolution in life sciences and healthcare. Um, we'll listen to this podcast in five years' time and go, golly, he was so prophetic. And part of that, of course, is telemedicine. And what I'd be very interested in both your views, but we'll start with Lee, is where uh, remotely assessing someone, particularly for a potentially a psychological problem, where you're obviously looking for uh, nonverbal cues, etc. How effective is it to do that remotely in these times and the times that I am convinced I think it's as people get more familiar with it it's becoming easier and I think as the technology flows to kind of mimic some of the things that happen in real life that makes a difference as well um so having a good camera does make a difference being having that really good visual connection where you can actually have that sense of eye contact I do think that makes a really big difference so um having said that there are some there's some evidence that some people especially if you have, for example, social anxiety, that can actually be problematic. So taking that away can actually facilitate therapy. So it's really about working about what what works for a particular individual, because some people get so anxious when they think people are watching them that it actually stops them from being able to engage in therapy. So for them, written CBT via the computer can be really powerful. Written as in um, like correspondence? Or... Yeah, so doing a mixture oh. of between writing on the keyboard um, as well as, uh, you know, so if someone has a lot of social anxiety that actually makes it hard for them to engage in conversation with people, then actually that can take away a layer of anxiety that enables, enables them to actually participate. So I think it is working out what, what a particular individual needs. But most people, I think, do 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 better with a, a decent video link. And some way, I mean, I like writing stuff down and doing drawing pictures quite a bit. Um, so finding a way to, to mimic that on the computer makes a difference as well. I mean, we're working with software at the moment, which basically allows you to have a whiteboard in front of you and you can have the face in the corner. And it's only recently that we've been able to run professional, uh, you know, 12, 15 participant workshops and um, i've run workshops for years and doing it digitally with a big screen with a a a whiteboard where everybody can draw uh and move post-its around and group things together it's unbelievable and it it works incredibly it actually works better uh sometimes than it does in a real face-to-face uh face-to-face workshop um and it's obviously a hell of a lot greener because people aren't having to travel you're not having to print out loads of stuff and stick it on the wall i'm very very optimistic um about uh 
these kind of these kind of interactions and their ability to be done digitally. I never really thought considered before how it might be an advantage um, to be able to to cut off the video camera and to communicate with the patient in different ways at the same time. Um, I, I can see how that whiteboard technology would possibly be useful in group CBT, at least at the beginning. The work around uh, anxiety management is is whiteboard stuff. It's about the inciting incident and the thought that that triggers and then the uh, emotion and then the behavior in that sort of sequence and learning about that and learning about physiology psychoeducation I guess I can see that working for that but I do I do have reservations I feel that it is quite important for most people to have a face-to-face relationship at least to start with to build trust even someone with your face even someone with my face yeah yeah um, I'm surprised because yeah it's all about bedside manner I think you're right actually in establishing a relationship which has got to be as close as a as a, as a patient um, physician but e- even in business uh, there's nothing like uh, pressing the flesh pressing the flesh having a coffee having a bit of a joke really reading the body language as to how you're going to um, how you're going to develop this relationship but I also think once you've established that then you can move on to visit yeah. yeah, that's right. You sort of have a boost of that uh, intimacy, if you like, by meeting face to face. And that boost kind of runs through the next interactions, be they on video conference and, and uh, uh, or even telephone call or even email, actually. Once you know someone really well, yeah. email um, has, has much more um, richness to it. And I, I can see that in the clinical setting. But I take your point, actually, in your reservations, because what you do is so built on two human beings trying to understand each other yeah it's a relationship like no other really but at the same time i i understand that lee's work is going to be extremely valuable for some people as well i mean i think it has been fascinating what it has happened in 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 general practice over the last you know six weeks or so in terms of moving to video consulting and how quickly that's happened um, and I think that's going to have, it's going to revolutionise primary care and how it's delivered. But I don't think anyone would ever stand up and say, yes, we want it to be purely digital. Mm. Um, I think it's, but I think it will add uh, an option which has got convenience. It's got, for some people, for various reasons, who it's difficult for them to, to travel, um, which could be physical reasons. There's all kinds of reasons yeah. why it might be difficult. Um, and so it's going to add on a layer of p- potential, which I think can only be a good thing. But I think to have it at the moment, we're just so that's all is available. It, there's definite I'm missing seeing people face to face too. I think it's a very, very valuable resource for those who perhaps uh, find it very difficult to go and to make that first consultation. Actually, I was just thinking about it then about initiating the relationship for some people might be better over video link or even just a phone call and then the next step might be face to face we talk about um frictionless or reducing the friction of any particular process in other words making it Mm. as easy as possible and i'm just wondering if someone's completely on their last um completely desperate uh, um, sometimes the friction of being able to create a physical important appointment and having to get public transport there is just too much for them to face. It's the hassle and yeah, getting exactly. over that initial fear as exactly. of someone exactly. by just yeah. that little extra bit of remoteness might actually, as you said, be particularly useful for someone with social anxiety. But I think often people with depression as well, because they tend to be very with, socially withdrawn because they do experience a lot of social anxiety, actually. Exactly. This is often something that's not properly recognised. So yeah, I can, I can, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm just being old fashioned and maybe this is the future. I think probably a, a mixture yeah. of, the, of the two. 
face-to-face -face and video link and as you say email phone calls depending on the person and the context i mean i hope we're going to be more creative you know and actually we have a system that's a bit rigid in some ways it, this is how yeah. it's done but that, i think the reality is that for most people having a mixture of, of different ways of being able to connect and mixing mm. up a bit of face-to-face -face, a bit of email a bit of you know of, of video is likely to be yeah. their optimal pathway and if we can try and flex our system so they're not quite so rigid and I do appreciate that's not necessarily easy in in a say a GP surgery or a hospital system but actually if we are able to learn from this that you know there are more varied ways to be able to connect I mean my, my 89 year old mum has been having these you yeah. know telephone consultations with consultants at home and for her to get to the hospital was an absolute nightmare so really it's much mm. better for her to have those so yeah because actually a health service is only as good as how accessible it is mm. if your nearest uh, clinic's two bus rides away it's not actually fit for purpose you could argue this is the friction so the frictionless you can make the interaction with the system the better they it, it will it's here to stay i'm 100 percent convinced and my career relies on it so i keep telling myself this <laughs> <laughs> so, I wonder, is it time for me to try and do a summary of Unless you had anything to add, Lee, on how you manage your little ones, because we talk quite a lot about the adolescents. So exercise, I think um, I'm going to come back to, and, and everyone does groan a bit when you say exercise, because, you know, it's this, but I really feel it's massively important for well-being. And what I try and do is I do it with them so that it becomes something that we do back to that family connection so i try and find so we do the joe wicks pe with joe every other day um and i i drag myself up and do it as well and i honestly i can't hardly walk after doing some of his lunges i know i've been doing that it is very lunge heavy and it starts off easy so you, you're in a false sense of security there for a while and then he, then he says right now we're going to really ramp things up you know like, oh my god and i mean i couldn't get up after mm. the first day of doing mm. it i could literally couldn't get up off the dinner you know mm. off the dining chair i was like oh this is happening <laughs> but um but we, we we did it we had you know we tried to laugh try to make it as silly as possible and then we we do um we do um we go out we do a little bit of walking and jogging together again i try and go with them um and if we have to walk we, so again i try and do it but i set the boundaries as being realistic so if we're too tired for running then we'll walk you know if we can't manage it then we'll take it down take it down a notch but getting out there is what really matters um and you do see a few people we again we socially distance we're very lucky we live near a quite a wide kind of bridal path so that you can keep to one side and, and get round people um but just saying good morning to people i think there's a real value in that as well so having a routine having some structure picking the things that we can do that I think are important and that they agree and that not going too crazy about it, not setting these goals of having to do hours of maths or whatever, just doing five or 10 minutes and just mm. thinking, okay, I've done something great. Um, and then they kind of have a reward in the afternoon where they do a bit more, you know, going on their electronics or watching a TV program. Um, and so, the days it actually surprisingly go quite quickly it's it's amazing good um and having that family time i think does make a difference that we look forward to at the end of the day and that just reduces the incidence of irritability defiant behavior all that sort of thing that the younger kids can exhibit i guess at these times i think so because 
like back, it's like special time, you know, where we used to have to do this thing of special time, you know. But actually, now we don't really need special to, time we're all just the time. Doing a little bit more time together, yeah. Mm. And so we don't need to label it. <laughs> it's just no. time together. Time together. And I think that's a nice fitting place to stop and invite Oliver to give us one of his exemplary songs. <laughs> exemplary. Well, the, the, the irony of this one is that uh, it's a summary of a summary, really. So it's um, uh, 10 minute CBT summarized. So it's now one minute CBT, which it's is a meta summary. It's a meta summary. It's one minute CBT, which is something that I am now going to copyright. I am going to write a book about. And it's CBT in one minute. Um, so the, it's the face. How do you feel about that, Lee? <laughs> Her husband's a lawyer. <laughs> so it's the face, uh, the face that I recognise, the face that I uh, go back to. This focus, which is a little bit like our Pilgrim's Prayer that we always talk about, Paul, about about uh, uh, having the fortitude yes. to deal with the things that you can't change, the courage to change the things you can, and the wisdom to know the difference, and the acknowledge and the giving it a name. So this has happened, and I'm feeling like this about it. And actually, that's perfectly natural and cool, and this is what it is. But then we get into the commit and the take action, and uh, a, a Western idea of taking action is right. I'm going to run three marathons uh, by Christmas. But you don't necessarily mean that. You mean do something, do anything positive that is within your value system. In other words, something that you care about. Even if it's just a small step, yeah. just commit to it. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and the final one is engage with your values, right? Exactly Either right. for engagement. Yeah. We've been writing notes. So, Lee, well, where can people find you in terms of your book, in terms of gaining one of your your coveted certificates? For the um, parents who want to find out a bit more about Face COVID. They can go to the 10 Minute CBT website yeah. and they can um, click on the um, online learning tab. And then there's a free course there that you can register for. Um, that takes you through a number of sort of less than five to sort of seven minute videos looking at different topics like being a bit feeling low or grief or anxiety um, or sleep is another one that's quite popular about how to sort of you know have a good sleep yeah because that's another symptom of stress but also uh, there is there's some specific strategies aren't there like dropping the anchor for dealing with extreme emotions yes. and so on it's great um I recommend it. And you get a certificate, don't you, all? You get a certificate, so, which is on uh, the wall on next there. to my 25 metres with armbands, which I actually only achieved last year. <laughs> well done. Thank you very much. Well, you've got some extra buoyancy, though, haven't you? <laughs> Not sure the armbands were all that necessary. Uh, thank you very much, Lee, for coming on. Um, great insights. And I love your acronym. Everyone loves a good acronym. It works as well. It's not It's not one where you've got an extra letter that you can't make any use of, like face G or something like that. It's nice. We love that. Uh, please do get in touch with us right through the usual channels, uh, ytlf.com or ytlf on Facebook. That's W-H-Y-T-L-F, Oliver. Yeah, that's just about it. And of course, we're on um, Spotify and we're on Deezer and we're on Google and we're on iTunes of course we are hardly need to say it uh, Lee an absolute pleasure thank you so much as usual I've learned I've learned lots uh, nice to see two professionals uh, agreeing so wholeheartedly on things and um, we'll be in touch and very much good luck with your new book yes and um, hopefully our paths will cross again yeah bye for now bye